Blog Talk Radio. Alright, you guys, I apologize. I am going to um, actually have Joe come right on here. I'm going to switch phones. Um, so, Joe, can you start off bragging rights for us this morning? I'm going to hang up and call back. Thanks. Are you there, Joe? Are you Hello? there, Joe? Okay, yeah, sorry. Man, I, I, I take two weeks off technical with this thing. and difficulties I, I, right at the start. All right. I know, right? I, I'm like, okay, yeah, I understand that I I had us take off two weeks, and now uh, I don't even know how to run this thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so I'm going to hang, I'm gonna hang up. About something. Yeah, I'm going to hang up real quick, and I'm just hoping it won't disconnect the whole show if I. Uh-huh. Whatever you got to do. All right. So anyway, we're back, and uh, welcome back to the Bragging Rights Podcast. Um, Let's talk about last week's Bragging Rights. So for the first time last week, uh, I was able to come out on top in the weekly pick and poll, but unfortunately, I ended up being tied to uh, Phoebe, both of us with 10 correct. However, we were the best of the two for the week, so... Mommy Unit, not so good. Danny Kelly, not so good. Hola. Okay, I'm back. Hola, Are you bragging about? Up. Yeah, I'm talking a little bit about uh, our uh, performance last weekend and how. Uh, I don't know about weeks, my performance this week. Will be. <laughs> I don't know, but after after four weeks, we came out on top of the uh, top of the table, and that's pretty. Well. Usually, well, usually I'm losing bragging rights to you on a weekly basis. So, but here there's demonstrated poop that we kind of, we kind of know what we're doing. <laughs> I I don't know I don't know about that because sometimes I feel like I choose games like I used to play video games, which was like just hit a bunch of buttons and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes it comes down to a flip of a coin, doesn't it? Just a you you can do all the analysis you want, and it still comes down to making the decision based on a feeling, right? Yeah, Sometimes. because at the end of the day, there's so many factors that affect a win or a loss that you can't, sure. in all honesty, take everything into consideration. That is going to affect whether there's a win or a loss. But you can have a really good guess based off of just what you've seen in the past and what you know of so another thing that I usually take into account, and this is the reason I kind of am frustrated that I was wrong um, on the Thursday game, was I took into account where I thought the mental space of the Cardinals were, and I that's why I thought they were going to lose, to be honest. I just thought they have a weaker mindset. But um, I was wrong, apparently, because they were yeah. But well, I got that But I wrong. do take into you account got- how strong – I do take into account how strong off. I think the the team's mindset is. So yeah, we started off the week kind of slow. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure that that, that was 
more that I wanted uh, the Cardinals to start out one for more than anything. So it might have biased my decision. But, but you know, the the indicators were there. And I think maybe if if the Niners had made a quarterback switch, they might have had a, a better chance at winning that game. I mean, well, the game was much closer than the final score appeared. Uh, it kind of turned on two turnovers uh, at the end of the half and at the beginning coming out. And so... But you know, after that, it seems like I I wouldn't I'd be I wouldn't go so far as to say, oh, the Cardinals are back. They still didn't still didn't look right to me. Yeah, well, that's good. I yeah, well, it's good good for the Seahawks. Uh, you know, potential for the for the division, but now it seems like four weeks in at the quarter pole. And there's lots of things to discuss here today about, you know, uh, bye week stuff and, and quarter pole awards or whatever and stuff like that. Uh, it's, <laughs> I guess it's the Seahawks and the Rams as the front runners in the division. Uh, that's so weird. just the way it seems to, yeah, it's shaped up that way though, right? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it, I, I, I think it's it, weird. It, it, I, it, it's it's definitely not what was expected. I mean, if you'd have asked five weeks ago, if you asked uh, media pundits, whatever, everyone would have, uh, you know, it was you were either on on the Seahawks or you were on the Cardinals, and no one was really talking about, you know, and they're the Rams are doing it in an ugly fashion. So I mean, you can't discount a win is a win, but. Case Keenum's, you know, completing like 50-some percent of his passes. Todd Gurley's not running very well. The defense has just kept them in the game. And and other teams' uh, performances, malfunctions, health have caused them to be in each and every game that they're in. It's weird. Yeah, you're right. Weird is a great word. Just You know what's we- also weird right. is, you know what's also weird? I'm looking at my picks, and I'm like, "Where's the rest of my picks? Where does where do I where can I see the rest of my picks? How come they look like they're missing?" Oh, uh, you have to Where log do I go? In. You're gonna have I to am? log in then. Oh, am I not logged in? You may not have I'm signed not... in. Oh, okay. You won't be able to see see your picks. Oh, I was like, "Oh my word! Where did all my picks uh, go?" <laughs> I started nah, getting worried. From everyone else, they're hidden from everyone else who might have agenda to pick, you know, the 50-50 games might look at your your pick oh. and, try and try and gain ground on you since how you're oh. the front runner. <laughs> it feels good. Way, but I'm not maybe probably going to be a front runner soon. Huh? Well, I'll tell you I'm what, probably not going to be a front runner soon. I've been in, I've been in the league with Mommy in it for two years. She's going to be a front runner all year. She's she's just a solid picker. Oh my word! I do not know what my 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 password is. Apparently, it's not letting me in. And, and you don't want. Well, to uh, you shouldn't, right? Yeah. I'd, I'd be worried. <laughs> yeah. No, you would be worried. You you wouldn't be on top. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So it's been two weeks. Um, do you have any last comments? 
uh, a statement. Uh, how do you feel about the uh, the overall ending of the baseball season and how oh. it, how how it all finished out? I mean, it hurts. I know there's a thousand moments you can look back to saying this was the game, that was the game, because it, and we knew it was going to. It came down to basically, what, one game, two games? Mm-hmm. Were the two difference. games. And, two yeah, games. and so, you know, if you can't find two games on your schedule, that, oh. you know, you should have one. A oh, game where you had a six-run lead. Yeah, well, a game where you had a six-run lead and gave it up or – a loan save or, you know. You know what? Um, instead of living off of the what could have been, I've just been at peace with what is. And I, what I will say is I love the tenacity of this team and I love the heart that this team has for the game and for each other. And when Diaz hid himself under the towel or, or, or wouldn't even look up, where he put – all the weight of the world on his shoulders for that loss, I wanted to look at Diaz and say, Diaz, it really was not you. They gave up the tying, I mean, the, the winning run in the eighth inning. If you didn't give up anything, it would have just kept going every inning, every inning, until we did something. We left twice in that game fully loaded bases and did not get one <laughs> run which, in. Which, if you're Which the one who's what? hiding your face, this was an offensive – like, this was an offense that could have changed the course of this game. But for every time that we had a potential for not even a grand slam, let's just say get one run in, nothing came. And the problem was because everybody felt that moment. They let that moment get too big for them, and they wanted that grand slam. Look, sure. stop swinging at everything. I will tell you, Nelson Cruz, you've been great this season. But when the time was there, you wanted that big moment because you wanted to win so much for this team. But maybe we just needed you to get one guy in. Because sometimes <laughs> he was swinging at things he didn't need to swing at. Sometimes yeah, he was swing well, happy. And it was like, Nelson, stop swinging at everything. Just let something yeah. come to you that you could use. Um. So so I was a little bit frustrated because Diaz is so young, and I felt like he thought that was his fault. And yes and no, but obviously it was already a tied ball game at that point anyway. It's not like if our offense doesn't get something going, it's always just going to continue to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could have just kept going forever. And then it was whoever right. broke – like whoever like gave it up so it to me this was an offensive loss because not I mean it's a team loss I'm not saying but I'm not gonna put it on Diaz's shoulders the way he did that night and I felt bad for that kid because I know it was a big moment and he's so young and I can understand why he put it on him but yeah but with that said I'm still proud of this team and I don't know what's going to happen next season but I'm glad that um DePoto is is, is handling everything, and I know that he has a vision and a heart for where this team can go next season. And I don't think it's going to implode like it did the year, the, like the year of 2015 or 2014. We were just one game away, and then so we expected, oh, we're going to go take a step forward. And then in 2015, bam, it just imploded, and there was n- we we were horrible. So now 2016, so we're two game two games away from the wild card. But I don't think we're going to take an imp- we're going to have an implosion next year where it's like, oh. 
we're never going to see the playoffs ever again or ever ever yeah. feel like we're going to get there, you know? I feel like we are going to get there. I do feel like we're going to get there. Um, I don't know. What was what I, were your thoughts? Well, first of all, bases loaded, isn't that just typical of of the situation throughout the season where they have come up a little short? How many times during the season have we watched them load the bases and find new ways to load the bases yet come come up with zero runs or not be able to get that final? I mean, we've had bases loaded, no outs, and come up with nothing all season long. So it's, it, it continued to be a bugaboo throughout the whole season. Um, for Jack Zarenzik, they gave him four or five seasons. Us as fans, we had patience. We demonstrated patience. We thought we saw the future with the pitchers coming in the pipeline and all the, the promise of, of first-round picks and, and things in the future. So we gave Zarenzik four or five years. Uh, but it, in my opinion, it just seems to me that he wore out any kind of patience that the fan base has. So Depoto and the team seem to have a more uh, uh, frustrated, a more uh, <laughs> panicked fan base, if you will, that wants it right now. So I don't know if they're going to get as much patience out of the fan base. But it seems that in one year they've got a lot of things turned around headed back in the right direction. If you look up and down the system, the farm system, they were in playoff contention in almost every level of baseball. So, you know, that usually uh, lends to coaching as well. And sometimes, you know, those players at those level aren't major league baseball level players. But having success at multiple levels as an organization can't be anything but positive for the future. So, I mean, they're, they are not that far away. Um, you look at the performance of Felix this season, it was underwhelming. If you can just get Felix to buy in, do a little more work, and then add just a few pieces here and there, I think you're a playoff baseball team. Um, I don't think it's that far off. I really like I like the 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 manner in which the manager carries himself. Doesn't seem like a guy that gets too high, too low. Uh, you know, he'll take it one day at a time kind of manager. But the the front office seems to have made a lot of good moves this year, and you, you should expect that to uh, continue, I guess. So yeah, they're close. Let's just see what the off season brings us. Um, you know, just a piece here or there, and they're in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, and I think that th- there's just a lot of hope for me. Um, obviously, you never want to go into the mentality that oh, it'll be next year. I mean, so many people go, oh, it'll be next year, and it never comes. Um, uh, yeah. so, but at the same, yeah. But at the same high, time, but... yeah, but at the same time, like, really, what other options do we have? We're not going to go walk into a season and think, well, it's already lost. Like, why even try? Yeah, right. No, I mean, so, <laughs> so of course, I'm going to come in with high hopes. And I don't think it exactly. is, uh, even though 
even though I am um, miss like uh, Pollyanna when it comes to <laughs> everything in life, I do think that also in a realistic front, not just in a, I'm a happy person, I like to believe the best of things kind of way, that there is the right people in place right now. And and there is a bright future. These these uh, starting p- pitchers we have, the bullpen that we have, um, the offense that we have, all of it, all of it work really well together. The front office that we have, um, the the coach that we have, um, or manager. But anyways, but the point is, yeah, manager, um, manager, manager. The point is, it really sets up for really great things. And I, I think part of the hope came obviously when a lot of things shifted in regards to the ownership um, involvement in it and how they kind of took a step back, a new right. part of the ownership yeah, stepped in. All of a, the a very positive uh, change. That the ownership, you know, we only got to see one season of how it could affect the future. But, yeah, that, that could, you know, sometimes it's got to stop all the way from the top. And in cases like the University of Washington, in cases like the Seattle Seahawks, where it started almost all the way at the top, the change, uh, it helps the entire uh, organization and institute. Because it always does start from the top. It really does. It starts from the top. And who you choose to have as your leader above you is going to affect everything below, which I'm not going to get into political. Yeah. I'm not going to go into the political part oh. of that reality of a <laughs> yeah, statement, but uh, but I will say that's, this: that's for, this is a completely for, frivolous side sidebar. But um, I, I just want to quickly talk about food <laughs> because okay. I was thinking about this. A lot of people used to say, and you've you've been at the Seahawks game this year, but people right. have always said, "Oh, we just wish." that the Seahawks would have as good a food as Safeco, uh, what they serve in Safeco. Now, I remember coming into this new season, and the first thing that um, I forgot who it was having an interview on Q13, and they said the first thing we did, he said, we have gotten high marks in this and this and this, but we always get low marks on our food. And he said, so we've changed our food this year because we hear them saying the food is not one of their favorite parts of the experience there. So my question to you is, have you seen a change in the food, and is it better than previous seasons that you've been eating and munching? I think you're asking the wrong person. Oh, you never buy anything? I am a cheapskate, uh, (laughs) tightwad. I usually have (laughs) – I bring my own snacks to the game. <laughs> I bring my own <laughs> drinks to the game. I usually drink. I bring three to four bottled waters. But I have seen some of. Okay, let me put it this way. I have seen people eating things that looked delicious. I'll go that far. Um, the macaroni and cheese has always been uh, on top of my list for. I do. I have had macaroni and cheese in the past. It's um, just wonderful. But I've seen quite a few people eating some other things that looked uh, quite good, actually. So uh, you're asking the wrong guy. Okay. I just wanted to know because I, I because we were talking about uh, the, the, the Mariners made me think about 
about that aspect of it because one of the greatest things for people, you know, even when they were putting out a losing product, uh, people came into Safeco because it's one of the greatest uh, fan experiences there. There's a lot of wonderful food. There's a lot of great places to just kind of be standing and watching the game and conversing with each other. And um, so, you know, with with having so much um, attention on the clink and and what the Seahawks bring about, it was kind of uh, surprising that there was such um, uh, I don't know such a disappointment for so many fans for so long on the food that was being served. But it was it was nice to hear that they were finally making some changes in response to those. Uh, I'm sure it's been communicated over the years, but uh, for some reason this was the year that they decided to change things about. And I don't know if it meant some of their um, some of their contracts were over with some of these people, and they could or or whatever, however it works. But anyways, that is just a sidebar. And the only reason I brought that up is because mm-hmm. I love food. <laughs> I just love food. Uh, um, well, <laughs> and I think aren't you currently? Uh, Eating vegetables only. <laughs> Why are you remind me? Yeah, is I have that, until Thursday. Is it hard? Um, let's see. I have. I started Monday, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, wait, why am I counting it? Like I don't know. That's the first day of the. So, anyways, I'm on the seventh day now, <laughs> and okay. um, I have three more days. So on the on Thursday is the first day that I'll get to bring back in like chicken and fish. So the right. positive thing about this is that I really actually think that I will start eating vegetables more once I don't need to do this anymore because I realize, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. <laughs> I have my, my image of what vegetables were. Not so bad. Um, I literally, uh, I think I have lost about five pounds. <laughs> and I was telling my mother this, actually. I was like, Mom, I think I lost like five pounds. And she's like, oh, it's good to lose um, weight, like, nice and slow. And I'm like, mother, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to lose, like, one to two pounds a week. You're not supposed to lose five pounds in one week. And she's like, she's like, oh. <laughs> but. Yeah. I can't. But anyway, I, but, it, it, but it is a good experience. And, like, my um, she wellness lady, um, my doctor there, she was saying um, that it's not, or my kine, kinetologist, or I don't know how, how I don't know what the right. Kinesiologist? Uh, that 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 word. Okay, we'll just. <laughs> well, I just guess. That's that was a fancy word, but yes, that's the word. But anyway, she was the one who was like, "This is not a weight loss tool. It's just people happen to lose weight doing it." But she's like, "But when she told me I needed to eat vegetables for the first ten days, and she heard my reaction, she was like, "So from your reaction, I can tell that you are not a fan of vegetables." And so I need you to really try very hard to actually get enough calories from vegetables. Like you can't starve yourself, she says. You actually have to eat enough. And I'm like, uh. she goes, you can eat it's, fruits as well, but it has to be half the amount of vegetables. Which I'm not. I'm not gonna lie, Joe. I think my vegetables is twice as much as my. I mean, my fruit is twice as much as my vegetables. But I'm trying my best. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, it's. I I, I still haven't eaten meat, so that, that's that's like that's like a plus, right? I have only eaten vegetables and fruits, so they should be she should be happy. I really have done that part. I just don't know if my portions have been the right mix, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that kind of well, it doesn't really wrap up baseball for me because have you 
Have you continued to watch any of the playoff baseball no. yet? No. I refuse. Not one, not one minute? No. Not, well, uh, one minute maybe, one second maybe. I mean, I've seen it. It's, if, if I was flipping through the channels, happened to fall on it, and I'm like, oh, like, let, let me change the channel because you're bringing up my, my sore spot right now. No, I haven't really no, sat down and watched one. Sore spot. For, me, for me, it's, I, you know, just with the last few games, I've, I've watched, I've witnessed, I've experienced two or three of the best, baseball game matchups pitch by pitch and drama by drama um those one game playoff games to to get in were really fun to watch even though I didn't have a vested interest in any of it that matchup between Noah Syndergaard and and Madison Bumgarner was just uh it was baseball at its finest on its on the biggest stage, both teams, uh, I think, just laid it all out there, and it just came down to the end. Uh, the national, or excuse me, the American League game against the Blue Jays and the Orioles was just, you know, what twelve innings for a one-game playoff. It's just everything to play for, and it it was it was fun to watch. The fact that we're not experiencing playoff baseball in Seattle is excruciatingly painful. But it is. So. What I'm watching now is what I'm hoping for. And this is just my, you know, this is kind of what I do when you don't have a dog in the fight or, or, or anything. I, I tend to root for underdogs and I tend to root for fan bases that are long since tortured or, or haven't, haven't, uh, you know, made it all the way to the end or, or won a championship in a long time. And so if you're looking at the final four in baseball, I'm hoping that it comes down to the Blue Jays, the Indians, the Cubs, and the Nationals. I think that all four of those fan bases, it's been a very long time since they've, they've won a World Series. The uh, Nationals used to be the Expos and had to move and rebuild a whole fan base in uh, Washington, D.C. The Cubs have had a curse for, I don't know, what is it, 60-some years? You know, you got Bill Murray sitting in the stands just uh, living ups and downs, out by out. It's fun to watch how much he cares about the game. It's fun to watch the entire city. I don't know if you saw it the other night, and I guess maybe this is what they do. I didn't know this, but the entire ballpark stayed at Wrigley Field after the game was over and were singing the Cubs baseball song or something like this for a good half an hour, 45 minutes after the game was over. They just stayed like it was a karaoke party. (laughs) And I'd never seen anything like it. But to watch that fan base live on the edge because it has been so long, um, I have some have a couple friends that that live there and they say the city is just uh, electric after, after the ball games. I mean, it's okay with teams like the giants and the Red Sox, but they won in the last few years. I want to see, I want to see a team. I want to see a city experience it. um, But, you know, I, I would love for it to end up being Cleveland versus the Cubs. 
both of those teams, well, Cleveland has just recently won the basketball championship, but they've been long-suffering baseball uh, fan base. So I, for me, I, I just want to watch a fan base because I imagine our us in that same situation, finally. I can see the passion and the and the, just the experience of finally getting there and finally winning and, you know, imagining walking through the streets of Seattle after – you know, a playoff uh, World Series in our town. Oh, it would be so amazing. That's the great thing about baseball is the championship is played in your town. Even if you're not the best team, at least three games could be played in your town. Whereas with football, it's always, you know, a sanitary location where they can get lots of money out of people. Um, It's a little different. So, yeah, I guess I'm rooting – for what I'm dreaming for the Mariners. And so far, uh, some of the games have been really good. I, and the one that sets up, I think, either tomorrow night is uh, between the Giants and the Cubs is a pitching matchup uh, for the ages. It's Madison Bumgarner against Jake Arrieta. So basically it's two – it's like – it's like Felix against, I don't know, maybe Chris Sale or Verlander. Eh, it's kind of like Felix against Verlander in the American League, I guess. But it's too, Can I ask I you think, a former. Question? Yeah, sure. Um, what do you think is the future for Felix? He has to reinvent himself. Well, no, he just needs to – I honestly, I would hope that he spends some time talking to a guy like Jamie Moyer. Um, because Jamie Moyer is one of those pitchers where, I mean, he pitched till he was like 50, almost. But he didn't have overpowering, uh, you know, his was deception and – Placement and persistence, I guess. But um, Felix makes needs to make a transition from being an overpowering strikeout pitcher to be a a tactical pitcher. Because as long as he has that circle changeup, his ability to transition from fastball back to that changeup can be devastating. But He's just no longer a power pitcher, and he needs to learn how to be more effective with it. And I think that he needs to do a better preparation in the off season. Um, well, moving forward, I think that he'll have a bounce-back year. Will he ever win the Cy Young Award again? Who knows? But I think in the future he could win more games than he ever has especially with this team, because he's never won 20 games. I mean, he won the Cy Young with 12 victories. You know, he did it you basic, think that, basically all on stats. So I think that he could win more but be a less dominant pitcher. You think that, that this sense. team will remain – I mean, I know that, you know, in sports there is no loyalty – but he showed loyalty by staying here in a lot of ways where he could have gone elsewhere. 
do you think that they're going to show him any loyalty here or if he does not um change or grow it's it's um it's goodbye since you no well you're putting me into the position but I don't think there's any untouchable player in baseball. I don't know. I guess maybe Big Poppy is in in Boston. But I think there was at times where they thought about moving him. So, I don't know. Still the identity of the Mariners, isn't he? He's still the – I mean, when people point from outside our fan base at the Mariners, the first player they're going to bring up is probably – uh, Felix Hernandez. So he's still the face of the franchise, I guess. But, you know, depends what somebody offers you, right? I mean, if somebody was going to offer you twice the value of, of on-field value of, of Felix Hernandez, you take it, don't you? I mean, Say that again? whether... <laughs> If if somebody offers you twice twice the on field value uh, uh, that that Felix gives you, you just hold on out of loyalty. I think you got to be able to. Uh, that's why I'm glad I don't have to make decisions like that. But me, I want yeah. Felix to be a Mariner until he retires. Me too, um, but it's hard uh, when I you, feel like some imagine, of his performances. Sure, could you imagine? In the imagine yourself now in the future, and and Russell Wilson starts to slip, not as good, not Boo. as good, not okay. right? Lose a little arm strength, can't scramble, Keep, <laughs> and the decision oh, in the future that decision will be made. Some general manager is going to have to move on from Tom Brady. Some general manager is going to have to move on from. Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Now, <laughs> the problem is, is you don't take make a good choice right then, and you get fired, and the next guy comes in behind you. But yeah, but I hope that he takes the off season and gets better. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Um, I want him to. <clears throat> To, well, uh, and there's lots of things I want. I want I want Taiwan to work on developing other pitches. Uh, <laughs> uh, Paxton as well. You feel like uh, Taiwan has grown in his mental um, ability to not get overwhelmed. Them, I think both players have. I think that Paxton has grown in his ability to become passionate about his performances. It seemed like in the beginning he was trying to play baseball mechanically, automat like an automaton, you know, basically robotic. And and through the season he found a way to channel emotions into the way he uh, pitches. And then for Taiwan, it's for Taiwan it's just a question of developing, continuing to develop more, um, and learning to to pitch in and out of situations. You know, there's situations as a pitcher you just cannot control. And how you react to them, you know, changes your ability. I mean, when you're not getting calls, it's frustrating. But, you you know, having to um, overcome a home plate umpire that's 
you know, sketchy strike zone. It's it's difficult to do. I think he, he I think he'll learn. I think he'll change. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think any any time it's it's it really is about adjusting and yeah yeah the more a person has the ability to adjust and to change and to understand that what may have worked before may not work now. I mean, the um, more the the more willing somebody or the more aware somebody is of, of that fact, the more successful they can be. But if somebody becomes like, can, I, I, it was kind of what I said to my niece yesterday. She's we were talking about makeup, and she's like, oh, my mom already knows how to put makeup. And I'm like, but you could always learn something new. And I didn't mean really about makeup, but just in life. You can never hit a place where you're like, I already know how to do that. So I, I don't feel like I need any more insight or any new, you know, information. We all should be always growing and learning and changing and, and modifying our thoughts. I mean, we don't want to I, – I, that's why I think I've never been a fan of that whole, like, oh, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. And I'm like, yes, you can. Uh, yes, you can. You still can. Yeah, you still can. Actually, not an old dog. No, my grandfather was an old dog. He was like, yeah. I don't know how old he was. He was like 80 years old or something. And my cousin had asked him, you know, Grandpa, like, what are you doing? I mean, like, or what's going on? And he said, always growing, always changing. And and my grandmother changed as a person, and she became even a an even better version of herself every single day. And I just feel like, so maybe that's why I think that I don't believe that you can ever stop growing and ever stop learning because I was surrounded by people who were at a point where most people said, what new thing can they learn? Or they're so at that age, you should be stuck in your ways. Being stuck in your ways is a decision you make. It's not, it's not a, it's not a, uh, a given. That's a decision. But if you, if you want to learn and you want to grow and you want to change, you have to be open to that idea. And and maybe the only reason people are not open is because it's too difficult. It takes too much work. You know, uh, they don't want to explore anymore. But but I think there's still value in that. I hope that before I die, people still if people ask me, oh, how are you different last from this year to last year, that I can give them an answer, and and be not like, oh, I don't know, nothing really, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Didn't mean to get all deep on you on there, but I'm just saying. No, I'm just that's saying. Fine. That's, that's part of that's a part I of the love, process. That's I love a tangent. I love a tangent. Hey, <laughs> it was guess a compl- what? it wasn't a complete tangent. It's about these know, pitchers I'm, growing and 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 play. I'm about but go to ahead. Take you down another tangent because all right. Uh, I don't think you recognize exactly what's going on. I don't think you're as excited about what's going on up there in Montlake as I am. And people of the Seattle, Washington, Western Washington area do not realize how close a college football team from our state is to possibly being in the national championship game in the playoff against in the biggest college football game of the year. Um, the University of Washington Huskies are for real. They are back. Um, there are a few tough games left on the schedule, but right now they have positioned themselves at 6-0 and to be in the conversation with teams like Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, and Ohio State. 
there's a good chance if they're able to run the table for the final six to seven games that they could find themselves in the playoff. I think it was 2008, this team went 0-12. They didn't win a game. The fan base had to suffer through that. We had to suffer through Tyrone Willingham and terrible coaching years. We had to suffer through 12 straight years of losing to the University of Oregon. Last night was, you know, I don't want to ridicule and laugh at Oregon, but that was so uh, cathartic, if you will, to finally get that monkey off our back. And I say our because before the Seahawks were this good, the University of Washington was the best team in our state, uh, continually in big bowl games, and t- continuing in national contention. It was the football that people turned to because Sunday football was not so pretty here. So what I'm saying is I think there's three, maybe four home games left. And the game day experience at the University of Washington on Montlake is its very different from CenturyLink, but in its, in its way, it's, it's, it's got a charm that's, that's unparalleled in, in college football. Uh, walking around that campus, the, 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 uh, the tailgating that goes on, the sailgating that goes on, just the actual setting of the venue is amazing. And the tickets are probably half as cheap, if not three-quarters cheaper, than a, a Seahawks game. So if you find yourself that you enjoy football but haven't been able to afford to get to a game, try to get out to one of the Husky games for this season just so if they win the national championship, you will carve out a chunk, a memory, something about that season where you were involved. Just go to one game. Grab your friends, go down there, and go see one game down at Montlake because if they win the national championship and you have the opportunity to go see a part of that or be a part of that, you may regret it. So I'm telling you right now, don't do something that you'll regret by not going to a game and get down there to a University of Washington game. And that being said, I know that you're not a huge college football. Well, here, here, fan. here's what I will say. Oh. Okay. Here's what I will say. My friends are big UW people, obviously <clears throat> because they went to UW, and so this I knew was a big game for them. I know I knew the Stanford the Stanford game was uh, like a big game nationally, um, but I knew on a personal emotional level, Oregon was equally if not more so, probably more so, emotionally more important to them. Um, And so my friend, you know, he would, you know, put out on Facebook, like, you know, the streak must end kind of thing and or whatever hashtag he had. And and I know that he really wanted them to win in this game. And and so all my other YouTube friends also. So I had a chance to see glimpses of UW 
um, when they played Stanford. Um, and the first two comments I had was, dang, how old are these college students these days? They do not look like kids. So <laughs> they, I'm like, they might as well be yeah, work, working. Up. I mean, they, I was like, they might as well be playing the NFL these days because, like, my word, they look like NFL players to me now. Um, secondly, I thought, oh, my word, this defense. Some of you can be Seahawks right now. Like they, they're really, I really love some of their defensive players. Um, there's a tenacity. I mean, a, 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 not a tenacity, but they're, they're vicious. I like it. I really, really like it. And I thought, man, they have a very strong defense. Um, and so I did see clips of, today, uh, I mean, yesterday's game. And obviously it wasn't just defense that performed because if you put up 70 points, <laughs> your offense is working out as well. But um, the, the, who, who was the running back? Wow. Like, I mean, he was insane. Um, who was it? What's the name of their, their running back again? Ah, uh, Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin uh, with a 65-yard touchdown run. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, uh, there are things you can talk about all over the field for that team. Uh, Jake Browning has, has thrust himself into the conversation as a sophomore, into the Heisman conversation. The, not only – is the University of Washington in contention for the national playoff? I believe that Jake Browning is in the conversation for the highest honor uh, for the college player of the year. It's been so, I, I mean, it goes back to Jake Locker was considered as a Heisman hopeful at the beginning of his season, but he never performed at the level that even came close. I don't even think he got an invitation to New York. Jake Browning threw for six touchdowns and ran for two. That's he was insane. responsible for eight touchdowns yesterday. Insane. That, and they, they weren't just give me touchdowns either. They were highlight reel catches, throws and catches from from guys like – Dante Pettis and John Ross, and when you watch the Huskies play, there are NFL players all over that field. And you say, "Yes, uh, I'd like to have some of those people on the Seahawks." Well, I don't think we're going to be able to cherry pick from the University of Washington like we used to. I mean, there's always been one or two players from the University of Washington that end up coming over as an undrafted free agent to the Seattle Seahawks. Well, I think the word is out, and uh, the majority of those players, if, if the Seahawks want those players, they're going to have to draft them, and they're going to have to draft them early. Guys like Kevin King, Sidney Jones, uh, they're, they, they are prototypical cornerbacks for the NFL. And just based off the performance of previous years with guys like Marcus Peters, um, they're going to go high. Uh, that entire defensive line, they look good. The, the linebackers are studs with Victor and Bieria. There's just players showing up on every level. Yeah. So if you can't get excited about college football, I don't know what's wrong with you because the Huskies <laughs> are legit. And, and it's I tell you, the game day experience um, I had, and we went to go see Portland State, but we're going back to see UW versus o Oregon State. 
and we're going to sit in the east end zone down by the lake. So, and if it's bad weather, we're just going to get rained on. It's going to be awesome. But uh, we took the the light rail from CenturyLink, and the entire light rail is just packed with people going to the game. Every almost every rider, I'd say eighty percent of the riders on that train are wearing purple and gold. People are tailgating in the train, you know, because it's packed so 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 full that nobody's going to say anything about someone drinking a beer on the train. But you know, it's just there's excitement going to the game, and then it just drops you off right in front of the stadium. You get out of the train, and it's just a flood of purple and gold. Head to the stadium, um, the band and 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 the percussion group is is playing music just like. Uh, just like game day in Seattle, but it's just, I don't know. And the more national attention they get, I think the bigger, I mean, we could see college game day there um, later in the season. Uh, that would be fun. But uh, take take the chance to go see them. Um, and, and if they end up, if, if we end up in the national championship game, I would love to travel to that game. Oh, wow, that would be so much fun. And where are those things held? Well, it depends. I, I'm not sure exactly this year. Um, I think it kind of rotates, but sometimes they hold them in uh, like the Rose Bowl. So it could be Pasadena. Pasadena would be awesome. Um, you know, places to go and people to see down in California. But for me, for me and traditionally, I would love – wouldn't it be awesome if Jim Harbaugh and the University of Michigan made it to the national championship against the University of Washington? So, I mean, traditionally, Michigan and, and Washington were the two rivals between the Big Ten or the Big Eight. <laughs> and uh, and and the, way back when of the Pac-8, Pac-10, we're always rivals with Michigan, so it would be so much fun to see both programs brought back from from the ashes, if you will, and back to national prominence. And we get to hate Jim Harbaugh again. <laughs> it's a plus and a plus. So that's what I'm. Yeah. Hoping for. I'm hoping for University of Washington versus Michigan in the national championship game. I really don't want to play Ohio State. So I'm rooting for Michigan to beat Ohio State. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. And and the Washington will have to beat someone like Clemson or Alabama to get to the to the final game. But yeah, it's gonna be fun. There's great players all over that field. Great coaching staff. Um, they you know taking it game by game, if you will. So. Next week's bye week is going to be the biggest game of the week. Yeah. So I mean, speaking of speaking of bye weeks, we could transition uh-huh. from the Huskies back to the Seahawks. Um, what's your impressions of the Jets game? What are your impressions of the team so far up to the quarter pole? And then I'm going to suggest – uh, I'm going to suggest quarter poll awards and ask you questions 
moving forward and let's identify who we think uh, uh, are some of the best performers from the Seahawks. Okay. So what were your impressions well, of the Jets game? Okay, the my impressions of the Jets game. Um, the first thing that for me stood out was just the amount of trust that Russell's finally demonstrating in his receivers. It's so funny because I don't think I realized how much um, hesitancy Russell Wilson used to have with his receivers until I watched a game where he didn't have any. And some of those passes and the way they were caught by Jimmy Graham, by Doug Baldwin, by Spiller, um, the McAvoy one was so easy that I don't necessarily think that that's, like, as amazing. That was just more like – that was just – I mean, that was fun because people didn't expect uh, yeah, a, a I think touchdown. Yeah, it was great, but I think it was a, a broken coverage. Yeah, it, it, was, it, it, was, it's, it was fun in the sense of no one expected the ball to go to that guy and the fact that, you know, he had an opportunity to get that touchdown. But it wasn't, like, one of the most difficult catches to make or anything. But he did what he needed to do. But – but when I saw the passes that he gave to, to, to Graham and to Baldwin and to Spiller, I just thought, man, those are really difficult, you know, passes. I mean, to complete and, and, and not have it. it. You have to trust that your receiver is going to be there and they're going to contest for that and they're going to fight for that and, and they're going to do what they need to and, and um, if they needed to. And uh, he did such a great job. Obviously, there's all that talk about whether he was ready to play and, Nano bubbles. No, just kidding. Um, but no, but he really, <laughs> Russell is the kind of guy that believes in wanting his perfect attendance record and does not ever want to not show up in a game. And so he literally would have to be completely incapable. And even then, I'm not even sure if he'd still be willing to give up and still find a way to win. And I think it also brought back the point that people have this narrative about Russell that his strength comes from his legs and that he doesn't have the ability to be a pocket passer. But some of the ways that he he stepped into the, the pocket and, and delivered some of those passes was so beautiful. And there's things that I, I've always been, obviously, as you know, a big Russell Wilson fan. So to me, I've always thought he was good. And I would scoff and be, like, turned off when people are like, he could be so much better or he's not this and he's not that. And I'm like, huh. He could be if he needed to be and stuff like that. That's just my, you know, you know, personal protectiveness over him. But you know what? I understand what people were saying now because he is, he, I mean, except they didn't think he was capable. I always knew he was. But watching him do the things that he did, I was just like, I was wowed by it, but I was also equally wowed by his receivers. And the funny thing is they talk I mean, I think it was in the commentary or whatever they talked about. Well, look at all the weapons Russell has. And I'm like, don't forget. <laughs> yeah, don't forget. Yeah. I, don't forget. They're always, they're always <laughs> it seems like with Seattle, um, <sighs> there's always a qualifier for everything. But you know, but you know what I, I thought? You know, I said, don't Pete's forget. not good unless John is there. John's not good unless Pete is there. Uh but, but 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 let me just say that. that well unless Marshawn is there. It's the narrative seems to be fluid. It changes constantly. Uh back in the day but, they were pedestrians and now they're you know now they look at all these weapons. Yeah. That's well, my point. Yeah, pedestrians like, turn to weapons. I'm like who changed people's perceptions of these 
guys. Obviously, they did because they, they, they showed that. But, but Russell did in a lot of ways, too, in conjunction with them. Because to go from, oh, you're, these are pedestrian receivers, to going, oh, well, these are weapons. Well, yes, Doug Baldwin has always been capable of this. But having the exactly. opportunity to show it, it has been another thing. And when you Russell know, shows that, that trust in him to throw some of those passes to him, man, it's big. Go ahead. I think, that, I think the, the answer to your question might be Pete Carroll and Daryl Bevel. Um, what do you mean? Not only, not only has Russell um, matured and developed uh, confidence in players in the ability to throw without conscience, to throw in tight windows, to throw because he knows they will be there. The play calling has become a little more liberal and a little more aggressive in allowing those situations even to be there. Um, I think for the first three to four seasons, they were very, very conservative with play calling. Yeah, we know that. The first five weeks, you know, until they kind of cut Russell loose, it was, you know, there were times when people were clamoring for Matt Flynn. But year yeah. by year and each year, we keep – they kind of open up the playbook a little more. So they've opened up the playbook and started, you know, throwing first, um, using uh, passing to balance out the game, I guess, and and running in order to maintain the lead, I guess, whereas before it was establish the run and then it's just they're allowing the team to do things that are working differently. So I, I kind of, yeah, I would kind of credit Pete Carroll and, and Daryl Bevel for the change. Because now they're calling plays where those guys can be successful. Where in the past I mean, I, they would have been conservative and try and just uh, try and just uh, play good defense and and uh, well, you know, play for the next and I, series. I, I, so. I hear you on that, and I I definitely uh-huh. think that is I definitely do think that is a factor to it. But I will say this. I think in the past they have communicated that they have attempted to do some of those things, and it hasn't worked out. So obviously there's more than just – like when Bevel would get really irritated over people's questioning of his play calling, there would be times where he would eke out a statement that just kind of says, well, we have attempted some of those things and it didn't work out, or we ha- don't have the personnel to bring about the stuff that I do sometimes want to call. So if there's issues in the O line or there was issues in in how he sure. felt, so maybe it is also about it. it may, maybe yeah. yeah. So maybe it is also, as you said, a matter of trust for him because maybe uh, he had seen some stuff that made him go, nope, I don't trust that they are able to get this done at this point. But now that there's uh, there's people are more congealed, they're more they're more aware of each other, they're 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 more used to each other, they know each other's nuances better. I think it's much easier to trust that they're going to get the things done that they need to get done. So. Well, yeah. And, you know, right now Russell is much more comfortable with Jimmy Graham this year than he was at any time last year. He's throwing those 50-50 balls up um, because he knows either Jimmy's going to get it or no one's going to get it. 
I don't know. You know, you you can say that it's kind of uh, that they've gotten to know each other. But the, the thing that flies in the face of that is, okay, how did he get to know C.J. Spiller in 35 minutes? Because he threw a pass <laughs> to C.J. Spiller on Sunday that took so much confidence and so much <laughs> trust. And that guy's been there five minutes. I, I, you know, I saw C.J. Spiller that's, in that that's game. Why I think there, that's why I do think there's a lot of growth in who Russell is and his ability to right. just trust. Because it, I, I really it, it, do think it's about trust. Well, and I also realized that where Russell kind of threw that, if they, I guess in the back of his mind, he probably never even envisioned it being intercepted. But even if nope. it did get intercepted there, yep. whatever, you know, nope. it's, you know, they get it on the 20 and we start over. But, yeah, he threaded the needle on that pass between three people to a guy that's been on the roster for three days. <laughs> that, 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 the, the performance of C.J. Spiller shocked me even more than I expected. Um, I had previously thought that there was potential in picking up a guy like C.J. Spiller before they even picked him up. I thought that as long as C.J. Procise was banged up, that C.J. Spiller could immediately kind of come in and take that role. Uh, and <laughs> when he came in Sunday, he did way more than I expected. Not only did he uh, run back a kick, which is I thought maybe that would be the extent of what he was able to do based off of three days of practice. But he was in there on a third down with blitz pickup, and he caught a touchdown in the first drive of, or second drive, and I'm like, what what's going on here? And if you look <laughs> back, the touchdowns, the touchdowns for last week went to what Tanner McAvoy, um, CJ Procise, and Kristen. Kristen Myers. Kristen Michael. Uh, Michael is like, you know, is like reward all these other guys. Um, I tell you another thing is if you get a chance to see or or look for it online, the mic'd up portion of Luke Wilson, oh, it was really fun. It was really. Oh fun. really? I want uh, to. Luke is so hilarious. It. Uh, it it tells you, it shows you once again um, a little bit about the relationship of some of the players of the team, but more than anything, you see that they're just having a blast. They are just enjoying each other's company, each and uh, the performances that they're putting together. The entire mic that portion with Luke Wilson, it seems like they're just out there playing pickup football on a Saturday and talking uh, back and forth to each other like like they're, uh, you know, neighbors in a neighborhood. It, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. You need to check it out. It was, it was really oh, I, good. I've always loved interviews with Luke Wilson because I think he's just very honest and very funny. Um, but I will say this, too, about uh, why I think Russ performed well. I think that there is – there's some people when adversity comes, it it makes them perform worse. But Russell has this, he already has a switch on normal occasions, but he has an extra switch when there's even worse circumstances that he rises and probably puts out his best performances when people expect him to use an excuse, 
And, well, nobody ever actually ex- expects Russell to excuse anything. But regular other quarterbacks who could, you like, literally point to something and say, well, I was injured or oh, I had the Like, Russell doesn't use that. He wants to make sure that people have nothing to use to say that he wasn't ready to play. And, and I, I mean, that is a gift in and of itself, whether you're a football player or, or any other profession. The ability to uh, get the most out of an adversity is huge. Like, you, you want to have that kind of mentality. I always want to have that kind of mentality, that it, it, he has a very game-on mentality when the worst things in life happen. So, um, I, and, and the thing is, that's why that's some of the fa- things I factor into when I choose who's going to win a game in my pick uh teams. I look at some of their biggest leaders or who's their biggest playmakers, and I go, who seems to have the mental fortitude? And this team has a lot of mental fortitude. Doug sure. Baldwin, look, I thought, man, did the guy get a concussion the way he just went down like that? That, um, or I mean, but there's there's a lot of um, even even when um, even when Jimmy Graham got uh, he caught a he caught a uh, caught a pass and and then he, when he got up, I thought that he may have been injured, but he just then like did this little dance dance thing like to, to seem like he was happy. But a part of me was like wondering if he was like just stretching out his legs and <laughs> making sure it's okay. But um, but there's 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 that mental tenacity there too. I mean, I know for a really long time before Jimmy Graham got here, even Michael Bennett was tough on him saying he was weak. But I think that you've seen that there is a lot of mental fortitude in that guy. And for him to be able to come back from such a, a horrible injury so quickly, um, that takes a lot of work and a lot of drive. And and one of the things that um, Michael was weak in was, I think, his mental fortitude. Or maybe not his mental fortitude, but his drive. Um, it may be part part of it at that time was because Marshawn Lynch was there, and there, the, the 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 hope to actually play seemed so distant. So his drive yep. to actually put out his best oh, performance think, wasn't there. I think, but that is that is a huge part of. I think you. I think that might be exactly right. Is 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 that that Kristen was a young enough young man that that going to work every day and seeing the fact that you're not going to get on the field may have affected his his preparation, his attitude, and how he carried everything about himself. When you come to work and, and you know you're not going to get the reps that you feel you're capable of because that's Marshawn Lynch in front of you, that could, you're right, that could be could have really affected the way he, he mentally, the way he brought himself to the team and and yeah, I think that having the hope, the window, actually seeing a chance to achieve something through competing at the highest level may have changed a lot of his outlook. I think you absolutely nailed that. And I, I think also we gotta think about the majority of the positions. Most people know that it's a competition game, right? But Marshawn had been such the face of this franchise that even if his performance wasn't of the highest, I mean, even if Michael had been outperforming Lynch, let's hypothetically say, in practice or things of that nature that usually would be 
a, a genuine uh, a genuine competition, right. then it is this like it is disheartening if you feel like you're putting out better performances and not getting a chance to put it out because this person's the face of the franchise. And and the reality well, is there were times where Lynch was no longer Lynch because of injury or because he just uh, different things, but he was still put out there above them. Where I feel there were times I, where I felt like yeah. Rawls could have been a better person in there. Michael could have been a better person in there. But it's yeah. it's mutiny at that time if you chose to play somebody else. Right. Yeah. So that's were, that's a difficult part because it it, it flies whether, a, against their mentality of competition. And I think he felt that maybe a little bit where it's like every other position has a true competition, but I don't think this right. is a true competition. Yeah, I I believe it. I believe 100% that during Marshawn Lynch's tenure in the Seattle, at the Seattle Seahawks, there were, I guess you could put it as, there were Marshawn rules. And the Marshawn rules did not, uh, they were not the same as other players. I believe there's Russell rules, you know. Um, and, and with the Marshawn rules for the longest time, Rules didn't apply to Marshawn. Marshawn got to do what, whatever it took to get Marshawn to Sunday. So he got to take every Wednesday off. But everyone else has to compete. So that could be frustrating, too, to see that you're putting your blood, sweat, and tears in every week, and, and, and this guy gets to take Wednesday off every week. But there were... Marshawn rules, and they were part of the way that Pete and John managed Marshawn and, and, and were able to get the best out of him, I guess. But nowadays, I think the the rules for players on the team start with Russell and, and trickle down from from his expectations and performance to everyone else. So I think it's, yeah, you're right. That, the competition level at each, each and every position base is more even and 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 less a given, less entitlement, um, and there's more of a chance to to compete and become the starter. Yeah, absolutely. But so I, I, I all I will say is um, it, it was a great performance. I feel very confident in this team. And you know, as I've said in the past, um, in the past, whenever we've gotten an early bye week it turns out it's always been a blessing. There would be times when we first originally get a schedule and go, oh, why is our bye week so early? But every time we've reached that bye week, there was some sort of injury that we needed definitely that bye week to happen. And I feel like this was a blessing in disguise to have it so early because our guys do need it. And uh, this could be the extra week that they need to get in- get 100% healthy. And when you think, man, these guys were performing at this level when they weren't 100 Imagine what they could be when they are 100%. And so, um, you know, it, as, as in most Seahawks season, it's, it, there's a, a starting slow situation, but this last game showed we can, we can start fast and then we can still win it out. Because there were times where we started fast and then it was a detriment to us. <laughs> And I was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't want to start fast because apparently we do better when we start slow. But this this game right, showed so, we can start fast and we still can keep going. So 
So going into this start and talking about the, well, you know, they're three and one after after four games. The bye comes at the perfect time for the health of Russell Wilson. Uh, also for the health of guys like Nick Vanette, who finally get a chance to uh, to become active. CJ Prozise will get a couple more weeks to heal. So I yeah, I think it comes at a perfect time. So looking back at the start of the season and the first four games, let's go ahead and hand out some awards, if you will. Um, I'm going to start with the rookies. And I'm going to ask you questions from rookies on the Seattle Seahawks. And then a quick maybe um, possibility of rookies uh, on a national basis. But offensive rookie of the season so far for you is? Offensive Rookie of the Year. Give me options. For the Seattle Seahawks. For the Seattle Seahawks. Give you options. Okay. Uh, Jermaine Effetti. Hasn't played long enough. Uh, Tanner McAvoy. Uh, well, great touchdown, but a little a bit of an easy one. CJ Prosize. Injured. So, yeah. Oh, maybe there isn't one on offer so far. Um, let's see. What else? Who else? You have a list in front of you? No, I'm just listing off. It's going through my head. Um, yeah, I don't think there has been a legitimate. Yeah, I don't think there's been a legitimate rookie of the year performance from the offensive players yet. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think I there. Think, I don't think there is. There I hasn't been, been anything. I mean, I'm. I, there hasn't. I mean, there hasn't been anything stand out yet. Um, now, defensively, in, I would. Who would you pick defensively? I would immediately go to Jaron Reed. I think that his first couple games have been outstanding. Um, uh, And then uh, for special teams, I would add that the addition of, well, my special teams player of the year so far has got to be John Ryan. He's, He's had a bounce back season. Uh, he's putting the ball inside the 20 over and over and over. So, all right, let's just go back to the regular players then. The the uh, MVP of the Seattle Seahawks for the first four weeks. Hmm, the MVP. Yep. Gosh. And the easy, the easy answer is always Russell. But. Yeah, but I feel like there's been struggles within. I mean, I, to me, to give the person that that he has to have performed all four games well, and Russell struggled on some of the. He, I think Russell struggled the Rams game, and um, it, it was definitely one of those games where I thought, you know what, Boykin could have put three points up. Maybe that would have been a game that would have been fine for you to come in and to start start okay. it so you can have your perfect attendance and then sit on down and let Boykin take it over. Um, but with that said, 
I can't give it to Russell for the first four games because I don't think that his performance on that fourth game was tremendous, but it wasn't enough to overshadow uh, the poor performance versus the Rams. Um, uh, Who has been great all four games? Who has been great all four games? I mean, where are you leaning? Okay, if you're not going to give, if you're going, if you're not going to give the MVP for the Seattle Seahawks to Russell Wilson after four games, first of all, I think you're crazy. But second of all, I mean, <laughs> the poor performances have been because he's played through injury. But that's my point, though. If you're not, that's my point, though. He played through injury on. He played through injury again. You know why I'm not giving it to Russell? Because Russell's standards are higher than that, and he has okay. higher standards for himself. And if, frankly, if he can perform that way against the Jets, where I feel like he was double injured than he was with the Rams, obviously though the Rams are the Rams are the Rams, and it's always a situation with them. Um, I just feel like he either needed to not play that Rams game, <laughs> or. Um, or have performed better than that. And so okay. if you're going to give us that performance, why not give it to Boykin? <laughs> why not give Boykin the opportunity okay. to, to perform that way? So um, then I think with your thinking that the answer to the most valuable player question falls to Justin Britt. Mm. I he really, has performed well, which is amazing. All four games, protection mm-hmm. improved, improved, game in, game out. I can't believe that those words even just came out of my mouth. <laughs> but really, I, I mean, because there were times during the off season where I envisioned maybe he didn't even make the squad. Maybe he doesn't even make the 53. Because if he's not the answer at center, they may have moved on. Uh, but his performance is is getting better each and every week. So <laughs> I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. If you're not going to give it to Russell Wilson, I'm gonna I'm gonna say then okay then I'm gonna take Justin Britt as the week four most valuable player week in and week out. Yeah, he has been performing, um, and I'm just trying to think. Um, I'm trying to remember how. Um, Shed has been doing. Has Shed performed well all four games? I feel like – I mean, it doesn't make him the most okay. valuable player. I'm just asking, has he performed well okay, all well, four let's games? Just, let's just quantify it then. Let's just say most valuable defensive player, and then give me give me your choice. If you if, if it's Deshaun Shed, tell me why. I – you know, I feel like – uh, Deshaun Shedd has really come into his own this season. And I, I feel like he has been um, – I, I don't know what the word is. I, we have a system in place. And it's like yep. which comes first, chicken or the egg? Like who, who – like do, we, do the, the players make the system or the system makes the players? Because we see some of our players that were part of the system not performing – well, when they leave. So is Deshaun Shed, has Deshaun Shed gotten better as a player or just a player within the system? Uh, I, I don't know. But I feel like 
he has really uh, come in, and um, I feel like I hear his name a lot. And when you hear a person's name a lot, that's on a defense uh, on the uh, defensive side and not on the offensive line. <laughs> so if you you hear the defensive any defensive player's name a lot, you know that they're they're doing things, you know. And I I just feel like every single game he does something. He does something to help stop a play that is important enough because you never know that if it didn't stop the play, where he would have gone. So a part of me feels like uh, I'm I'm proud of Shed and where he's been going. Um, you know, I feel Thomas has been uh, struggling this year. I was hoping it was just a field situation. <laughs> but I feel like there's been a little bit of struggle for Thomas. Um, that's just a side note that I've been uh, that I was just for thinking Earl? about. So I'm just that's Earl? just a, yeah for Earl that's just a side note though that that just pre- came came into my head. But for um, Shed himself, like I I think that he's he's done well this season. Um, but I don't know if I would say he was the MVP, but I definitely think that most improved <laughs> and 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 most notably improved um, player. Um, oh, gosh. I really it's like hard, Marsh this. I I I I, I really yeah. like Marsh this season, but I feel like there's been some hit and miss with Marsh as well, um, and that's the only reason why I'm a little bit more hesitant with him. There's been some gorgeous plays by him, but some other things where I feel like he needs to clean things up a little bit more. Um, but overall, I've really loved what Marsh has put out. Um, but those are the two guys yeah. that probably. Could, pop into my head instant, instantly more than anything. Um, that's <laughs> that's not necessarily another. the staple people. I would pick, yeah, mine's not necessarily a stable person either. It's, uh, I think it might be, uh, it might be Ataiba. Ah. I think Ataiba Rubin has, has done a lot to, um, to continue the defensive uh, ability against the run. It's been quiet, but they've really done well against the run. I, I don't know. You can pick so many different people on the defense. I mean, Richard Sherman has had another all-pro start to the season. Um, and Bennett just is doing Bennett things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a Tiger Rubin, um, and and it's not uh, sexy, but <laughs> but that's where that's where I'm gonna go. You know, it's not probably it's probably not the most popular pick, but for me, he's just game in and game out. He's playing really well. <sighs> so on a national basis. Uh, who do you think is playing at an MVP level across the NFL? Hmm. If you voted today, who would be your NFL MVP? I really don't know. I mean, what what do you think? Well, I think that Ben Roethlisberger's in the in the discussion. 
Julio Jones is in the discussion kind of right now. Matt Ryan might be in the discussion. I mean, as it sits, I don't think that Russell's really in the discussion yet. What's but I think you? by the end of the season, I think by the end of the season he will be. I don't know. Yeah, I, if I was voting right now, it might be it might be uh, Ben Roethlisberger because I I don't think that Pittsburgh offense is anywhere near what it is if Roethlisberger goes down. I really don't. I always feel like it's way too early. Way too early. It so many early. things it change. It's, so many things can well, change. Um, so many um, things can change. Which which team surprises you most in the first four weeks? Good or bad? Well, bad. Yeah, let's start with. All right, which one? Which one? Which one did you not see coming that that is much worse than you thought they would be? Well, the thing is, I don't know necessarily if I didn't see it coming, um, but I still think that um, I still think that the Cardinals. Uh, well, I don't know if I didn't see that coming though, um, but. But I'll probably just say the Cardinals. Um, what about what about? I, see, for me, it's Carolina. But um, I guess I kind of did. I guess I kind of did see it coming. Because, see, that's the hard part. I think both yeah. of us feel like we saw both of these. You know who? San Diego. I will say San Diego. Okay. Yeah. I I think I didn't expect San Diego to have such a poor showing. Um, and you know what? They ha- the the sad part of it is their record doesn't really show how they performed, because because it is it, it feels like at least two of those losses were literal last mo- last minute losses, which at least but it still it says something whether that's a coaching situation or what play calling situation, clock management situation. I have no idea necessarily because I haven't been watching them, but I'm still very surprised that they're coming into this season one three. I think they're better than that. So, so I guess I'll choose the the, sure. uh, the the Chargers. I'm not sure if I think I'm not sure if I think they are better than that, but they had the opportunity to be better than that. They had some, you know, uh, epic fails towards the end of. The, I mean, last week they were up by 14 on the Saints and fumbled twice to let the Saints back in the game. So, yeah. As as for um, for better, man, I have several actually that I didn't expect them to be as good as they're being right now. One sure. is the Eagles. I didn't expect them to be as good as that. Um, I didn't know necessarily with their what their quarterback was going to do, and um, and he's performed well. And uh, so they were a surprise to me because after the upheaval and the the change that they made, um, you know, you never know if that's going to be, if they were so close to it and um, what was holding them back was the coach. And apparently, I mean, it feels like it may have been. Um, so the, the Eagles uh, was surprising to me. Um, how good 
this one is not necessarily so surprising because I think all the pieces were there. Uh, but when uh, Bridgewater went down, I wasn't sure how it was going to go. But the Vikings. So props to the Vikings for being able to bounce back in a very big way, even after the loss of their quarterback. Because in the past, you know, once your quarterback goes down, uh, it really can can end a season. But that also might say something about the development of where Bridgewater is right now that, or maybe even say something about where Bradford is right now, where Bradford hasn't ever really been completely healthy to be able to play well enough um, throughout the whole season. So let's see if this is a really good situation for Bradford to be, um, to be around and, and show that he can actually be durable. Um, And then the other one, was this one isn't totally surprising either because in the preseason I could hello see, hello hello hey hey dad hello can you hang, can you hang up the phone please okay <laughs> <laughs> hello <laughs> oh lord oh, <laughs> oh, you know what you know what's so funny about that. <laughs> the funny thing about that is he picked up the landline because he heard the cell phone ringing. Oh, really? Yes, <laughs> I heard the cell phone you, ringing, and he actually and thought. And you're the one you say you can't teach old you you can teach old dogs new tricks. You can't teach oh, old dogs new tricks. Oh, oh my word. Uh, did I tell you about the time that he was trying to teach me teach him about the, how to use a cell phone? And really? I had him I had him call the house phone, and the phone the house phone started ringing, and he hanged up the cell phone, and then he picked up the house phone, and he was like, "Hello," and I was like, "Dad, that was you." Okay. <laughs> so. Oh, uh, gosh, I'm sorry. That cracked me up. That it made me lose <laughs> where I was. But, oh, the last one I was going to say was the the Broncos. Is he, is he listening? Hang up the phone. I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, he – he um, so, so the, the – Yeah, the Broncos. It didn't – it's not completely surprising simply because um, – <laughs> because I saw them the in defense. preseason and I – and uh, yeah. yeah, and I knew that their defense was going to be strong, so that one hasn't been totally surprising, but still surprising because sometimes you never know. After uh, a Super Bowl, there's always you never know which teams will bounce back and which ones will get affected sure. by by it. Yeah, um, I, I think the I think the Vikings. Those are the ones for me is is the most surprising. Um, I know I knew their defense was good. You know, we helped build, the Seahawks helped build this defense. We give them same what, with Broncos. Let's be honest. Same with some, well, we same gave, thing with Broncos. So let's be honest. Yeah. Well, we gave the Vikings three draft picks just for Percy Harvin. So three of the players that are on the current roster in Minnesota came from that trade alone. So you know, we've had our hand in building their defense as well. So I, I knew they were a good defense, and but they've overcome so much already with losing a quarterback now losing what is you know widely widely viewed as the best running back in the league and and losing their left tackle but yet they're continuing to play great defense uh, not to turn the ball over 
get the ball turned over in there. And, and uh, Sam Bradford has surprised me. Um, I have not seen the bad Sam Bradford that we used to see week in and week out down in, in what was St. Louis, now Los Angeles. So, yeah, for me, I think it's the Vikings. I knew they were they had the potential to be good. Then things happened, didn't think they were going to be good. And now I think they're in contention for their division. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been some interesting developments through week five already, right? Oh, absolutely. And I, for me, Arizona I, I definitely and Carolina to be so far behind the A ball right now. Um, you know, nobody expected the Eagles to be undefeated. Um, and I don't. This kind of leading into to our picks for this week, I don't expect them to lose this week. So I think they're going wait, five and zero. Oh. You know which wait uh, which one the Vikings or four and zero? Oh. Uh, no, the, Who? Uh, the, the Eagles. Oh, uh, here here's the thing. I, I will say this. Um, real quick on a side note, uh, the Jets when before they played the game, people had said that was a must win game for the Jets so early in the season just because of how the rest of the their division was doing, and um, right. and they didn't win. So let's, they, they have to really be hoping that that wasn't really as much of a must win as they thought, that the, the rest of their division starts to implode a little bit. But just throwing it out there. But I have the same thing as you. I chose the, 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 the Eagles. So, uh, okay, we'll, we'll just jump right into then for this week's picks. Um the Philadelphia Eagles are going to Detroit to uh and Detroit I mean for they've been terrible. I, and, yeah, well they, I, they they became what we thought they were before they showed us that one glimmer of hope where we're like, "Oh, maybe we miss we must have understood. We thought that they were going to be horrible, but they're great now." And then nope, they weren't. <laughs> they uh they are not good. Um and, you know, really, I don't know what's happened with the coaching, whether it's coaching, whether it's talent, whether it's, you know, just the way they, they work together. But, I mean, they just, they're just not good. Matthew Stafford is, 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 is turning into a turnover machine. Um, I mean, they're putting up yardage, but they're not putting up points. And they, they, their defense is just porous at best. So, you know, going into this week, I don't see why the Philadelphia Eagles can't go into Detroit and get a win. I'm pretty – so maybe maybe they'll shock us and Detroit will wake up. It'll be the, it'll be the one this – you know, there seems to be one every week where everybody gets it wrong. You know, everybody mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. You know, nobody gained ground on on the Patriots versus the Bills because nobody had the the presumption to even take the Bills over over the Patriots, no matter which who was playing quarterback. But then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, two weeks in, the Bills were done. Now, two weeks later, they're back. I I don't know exactly what to think. So, yeah, I like Carson Wentz and the Eagles here at Detroit. Um, another game going on in Baltimore. You've got the, I guess it's one of those I-95 classics, Baltimore and Washington. 
stadiums are both right along the 95 corridor right there on the East Coast. So I think this is a game of two teams that I didn't I didn't get right either. I thought that Kirk Cousins and the Washington Redskins would probably be in the front runner for their the NFC East. I thought that maybe they could repeat as NFC East champion. I thought they had pieces in place to compete at a higher level than teams like uh, Dallas or Philly. <laughs> and it's, it hasn't been the case. To, uh, the coaching staff seemed to not have confidence in Kirk Cousins after week two. He had to go out and regain confidence for a team that he led to the division uh, title last year. And then Baltimore, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're winning um, – and they're winning close games. Um, it, I didn't expect them to win almost any of the games that they have won. It's 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 been a weird season so far for both those teams. They just don't know what quite to expect. And now, I mean, the Ravens cut Justin Forsett this week, so obviously they're moving on to uh, to some of the younger players. Um, one of the marquee matchups of this game should be. Josh Norman and Steve Smith, both of them previously uh, teammates uh, on the Carolina Panthers together. But Josh Norman trying to parlay uh, notoriety at at the cornerback position. Steve Smith is the wrong guy to try and make your mark against because that guy doesn't play around. So that that matchup could be – Electric, exciting at best. Um, I don't know. It's two teams going in different directions, isn't it? One's three and one, and the other one's two and two. Uh, who's? It's a must-win game, if you will, for the Redskins, isn't it? Yeah, but they're not gonna. No, she's gonna. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But I chose. I got the Ravens. Uh, I got the Ravens at home as well. I like them. Um, Wait a minute. There's something wrong we're, with the we're, Redskins. We're giving up our picks. What if our compet- competition is listening to us? <laughs> oh, I hope they are. I'd rather <laughs> I, I'd, I'd rather tip my picks and gain a listener than. <laughs> um, yeah. So they can. Yeah, they can go ahead and pick against us if they want. They can. They can take the Redskins all day. My money, my pick, my everything is is with the Ravens at home this week. So. I don't know. Well, as Scott Van Pelt would say, Gio Flacco. Um, yeah, I, I like Steve Smith here. Um, I just, it, it, Washington doesn't impress me. So, moving on, we have the return of Tom Brady to Cleveland. So, I'm not going to say too much about this. We, the, the, Patriots have been waiting four games to get their quarterback back. Uh, during that time, they went three and one. Thought they were going to go four and zero. This is another one. There's just no way that I see Cleveland winning this game. You got Cody Kessler, um, the third quarterback. Um, it is kind of interesting that the the leading receiver for the Cleveland Browns is none other than former quarterback Terrell Pryor, former Seahawk former Raider, but didn't want to play wide receiver for while he was here, wanted to play quarterback. 
so now he's turned himself into a wide receiver, and he's the most successful target on the Cleveland Browns. It's just, you know, developments. But this weekend we get Tom Brady back. Uh, there's no reason I would ever pick the Browns to be, win this game. So who knows? Maybe the Browns find a way. But I'm Come on the now. Patriots, and <laughs> I am assuming you are as well. Come on now. I mean, my word. How many quarterbacks? But anyways, all I will say is I don't not I I don't know who in their right mind would ever choose the Browns. And I will say this, and then they will win, and I will look like a fool. But really, yeah. Actually, I'm not going to look like a fool because come on, it's the Browns now, and until they really get it figured out, I, I I'm telling you, I think it's front of the office stuff. They need a changing of the guard up in that situation, in that in that portion of this team. It I has think that's to happen. Part of the problem too. I, I don't know whether it's ownership, but they have been changing front office year in and year out for the last four or five years. So someone needs a chance to have more than one season. Let me just put it that way. Okay. Uh, it's brand new. Well coach, then so maybe maybe season, maybe so. it's Maybe it's the ownership then, because because it has to start in the top somewhere, and if it's the if it's the ownership putting a situation where there's where people are afraid because they know that their their leash is so short, then maybe that's the issue. Maybe a lot of desperation comes into trying to make something work because they know they don't have much time. I don't know, but something has to be different up on the top. I don't think it's just. The it, people don't come into this to this uh, game with a mentality that they're con- going to be consistent losers. So there's something up above that's awry. Um, I think the I think the owner of the Cleveland Browns is a great guy, nice guy. Um, I don't think he means to put out such an abysmal product out there. But obviously, there's decisions he's making right now, or has or has given freedom Having for people, people underneath him to make yeah. uh, that that is causing a detriment to the maturation and the performance of this team. And he needs to be able to look into that. And he's part of the Global Leadership Summit, and so hopefully he's taken some of the things that he learned this year from the Global Leadership Summit and start to rethink about how he he's running this organization. And if until I see him – start to implement some of the things he learns over there, I feel like he's not hearing what they're trying to teach. Because it starts from the leadership. It really starts from the leadership. And I can't believe that this team has continued to look like this without it being an issue from the top. It has to be from the top. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's got to be. Uh, moving so anyways, forward, we're, yeah. going to, we're going to Indianapolis. So well, we've got <laughs> Brian, Brian Hoyer and the Chicago Bears going against the beat-up Indianapolis Colts. It's recently started to come out in social media and, and complaining that oh, now it's now it's see now it's Andrew Luck's fault that his contract is so big they can't build the team around him. The general manager's kind of making that excuse that it's it's hard to build a team around when you when you have so much money tied up into one player. So now it's Andrew Luck's fault that the that the general manager has wasted draft picks on players like Trent Richardson and Bjorn Werner. Um, the Indianapolis Colts are 
from the top making excuses from from the general manager to the coach to the to the actual team itself it's always we're not being successful because we're not we don't have people on the offensive line. We're not being successful because we paid too much money to the quarterback. Stop making excuses and expect your players to perform at a standard that is but in that case I'm still taking I switched for some reason I had a feeling and I switched this morning from Chicago to Indianapolis. I'll take the Colts at home. I don't know why. It just seems to me that the Chicago defense is beat up. Um, I don't know. Chicago's been bad all year, so it's hard for me to take them on the road in Indianapolis. So I'm going to take Andrew Luck and the Colts this weekend. Wow, you know me. I'm a Andrew Luck hater. Ah, so, I, so you know that I just I, I I I just I can't. I ever I never root for him. Uh, I mean, not him as a person, but him as a quarterback. Uh, so I I chose the Bears. All right. So no, well, the, there is no that. no logic to it, but just straight it. up emotions. Yeah, it's just straight hate. Straight just hate. Straight just hate. Straight hate. Yeah. I mean, I, at least I, I own I, up I, to it. I own up to it fully. Yeah. I do. <laughs> All right. So this game, I don't know how much. Uh, Tennessee is going to Miami. Don't know how much. I don't think that the residuals from the hurricane have any effect on on this game today. It might be raining. Who knows? But uh, this is another game I switched. I don't like Tennessee on the road. I keep wanting to to pick Tennessee, but they keep underachieving. I thought they would be a good running team. Doesn't uh, Mariota's not seeming to make that second year transition? How you could call it a sophomore slump, if you will, but I just don't see him making improvements this season. So give me Miami at home to beat the Tennessee Titans. Um, let's see. What did I choose? I I chose the Dolphins as well. Um, yeah. I got nothing extra to add about that. I just I just chose the Dolphins. All right, so what was turning into uh, had potential to be a really good game. Houston going to Minnesota. I mean, uh, you're talking about Brock Osweiler going up against that Minnesota defense. Um, I'll give it to this new stadium. It is loud. Uh, the fan base in there has has always the Minnesota fan base has always been loud. I mean, the Metrodome was was probably second to the CenturyLink Stadium in the amount of false starts called uh, over the last few seasons. So the fan base in Minnesota has always been loud. So I don't think Osweiler on the road in Minnesota against that defense that's a lot of chips stacked against them. I'm going to take Minnesota at home um, you know they they're going to keep taking care of their business and and they've already taken care of Green Bay, so they may take another step forward ahead uh, in their division race. Give me the Vikings. I have the Vikings. I think that right now, I mean my my friend Josh is a 
big, big, big Minnesota Vikings fan. Um, and I, I told him, honestly, I do believe that your team is, is going to win your division, and this is going to be a strong year for them. They, they are really going to be contenders. Um, I think whenever you have an incredibly strong def- defense, um, you always have a far better game. chance than anyone. Yeah. So, and, and, and I mean, isn't Watts – Watts is out right now, right? J.J. Watts, not, he's on IR. So, he, he may yeah, not be so back. Yeah, so he's out – yeah, so he's out. Um, I just, I just think that the the Vikings defense is gonna be able to um, stop any offensive drives m- m- far more frequently than what the Texans will be doing uh, versus the Vikings. So the Vikings for me, for sure. All right. So next game up on the schedule is the uh, New York Jets. The Pittsburgh Steelers. So, I've already said earlier in the podcast that uh, I think Ben Roethlisberger is playing at an MVP level. From what I saw from the New York Jets last week, uh, they're not going to be able to take that on the road into Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh stumbled once already this year uh, in Philadelphia. I don't think they're going to stumble at home versus the Jets. Uh you may actually see Ryan Fitzpatrick get benched this week. I don't know. You might even see Geno Smith. Because, um, I mean, nine interceptions in two weeks. If he comes out throwing the ball to the wrong, <laughs> to those ugly, 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 ugly Bumblebee jerseys, uh, they may bring in Geno Smith. And I don't think he's going to be much better. So give me Pittsburgh at home. Um, yeah, I have Pittsburgh as well. Um, let me see here. Uh, yeah, I have I have Pittsburgh as well. Uh, I think when it comes down to it, um, yeah, it, they fought so hard for Fitzpatrick, right? His team did so much, and uh, how many how many interceptions did he have in the last two games? Nine, Nine. I think. Uh, and so, gosh. Uh, I think there was he probably, what, two or three he, dropped by Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> could have been twelve. Yeah, so to say the least, there there needs to be something. Uh, there needs to be some sort of change. And um, it, it, what what a sad turn of events for for a team that really rallied around him. Um, so I don't know if if they will put in Geno Smith. Uh, I don't know how mentally Geno Smith is going to go in there if he's going to be fired up and want to show everyone that they made a poor decision in, in, in benching him or, or what. But I still think the Steelers win this, win this game. Yeah. Is so that the next, the next one? Game, yeah. No, the next game is going to be uh, one of the Sunday late games. It's, it's the undefeated Atlanta Falcons going on the road to the Denver Undefeated. Broncos. Undefeated. So it's, they're, yeah, they're not undefeated. Lost. Oh, no. They, wait, they yeah, are 3-1. They the they're 3-1. and one. But um, they're they're super hot. Um, they scored, what, 45 points two weeks in a row? So you take the – what I meant to say is the number one offense is going into Denver to play one of the top five defenses. So this is really going to be a game of uh, of can your offense on the road 
outcompete uh, a defense that's been all over all of its opponents. Um, Denver's going to start a rookie. So Paxton Lynch, the the selection Denver Broncos made when, when they traded with the Seattle Seahawks to get into the 26th position, um, they selected Paxton Lynch with that draft pick, and the Seahawks uh, in turn selected Jermaine Effetti. So this is going to be his first start because um, I believe Simeon still got a hurt shoulder. So you're going to have a rookie going up against an Atlanta defense that doesn't really have a lot of uh, a lot of playmakers. Uh, Dan Quinn has been trying to fix the defense, but he really doesn't have the athletes right now that he he needs. But but Matt Ryan and Julio Jones have been you know 500 yards passing last week for Matt Ryan, 300 yards for Julio Jones receiving, which is just ridiculous. So, but in the end, I took defense, and I took Denver at home, and maybe because I kind of want Atlanta to get beat up a little. I think I think my selection here has a lot to do with that the Falcons are the Seahawks' opponent next week, and I kind of want them to get beat up a little bit going into next week. So I took Denver to win this game. I took Denver to win this game because – when it comes to office versus defense, defense wins. It just it's just the way it is, and um, yeah. And the the Broncos defense is no joke. So, to me, yeah. uh, you have seen it's, high power offenses go against strong defenses, and they always, well, I shouldn't say always, but ninety nine point nine percent of the time they lose. So ball forty eight. Yeah, there you go. So next one. Um. All right, so another late. We got four game. minutes left. <laughs> All right, Cincinnati at Dallas. For some, I'm taking Cincinnati to win this game on the road. I think that Dak Prescott has played really well. Maybe I'm just kind of hoping that Dallas loses because I'm a Dallas hater. I don't know. Not sure. Uh, I just I think Cincinnati's a better team. So they have much better defense than Dallas to me. So I'm taking Cincinnati on the road. Okay, I chose the Cowboys. So I mean, at least we have a few games here oh, that we, we didn't agree on. So. All right, so Sunday, another late game: Buffalo versus Los Angeles. For some reason, Buffalo has fooled me into believing in them one more time. So I'm going to take Buffalo because I want, probably because I want the Rams to lose. Um, but I'm going to take Buffalo to beat the Rams on the road. Well, I I chose Buffalo as well, obviously because I want the Rams to lose. But also, when they made the change, when they fired who, who the their offensive guy, I thought that was just a scapegoat thing. But you know what? They've been doing better without the person. So I don't know if it really was the reason or not. But obviously, somehow it worked out because their performance the last two weeks have been far better than the performances before that. So, hey, I'm, gonna, um, I'm going to shoot these last three at you, and then I'm going to shoot my pick on all three of them. One, two, three. San okay. Diego goes to Oakland. The New York Giants goes to Green Bay. And Tampa Bay plays Monday night in Carolina. I'm taking Oakland, Green Bay, and Tampa Bay. 
So the only okay. upset I have there is Tampa Bay at home or on the road against Carolina on Monday. So San Diego, every, Oakland, who you got? I have every pick the same, except I didn't choose the upset. I chose Carolina Panthers to take you chose the Carolina. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of a must-win game. Um, yeah, for some reason. But, but, you know, Carolina is going out without Cam Newton. So, I don't know. We'll see what Derek Derek Anderson can do so. So that yeah, that kind of goes through. I I don't know where we got it wrong. It seems like every week, uh, once the games start, you look back and you go, "How did I not see that happening?" You know, you look at the picks and you and you see the way that the weekend plays out. You're like, "Why didn't I see that happening?" I can't really tell where the "Why didn't I see that happening?" game is. The Browns. There's going to be a surprise <laughs> game. Yeah, that's, the Browns. Oh, that's everybody, right? The Browns beating the <laughs> Patriots. Nobody's going to see that coming. Nobody All will right, see so that coming. And then they'll cry that Tom Brady is over. <laughs> All right, so it's good to be back. Uh, and then we'll we'll talk before, uh, before next week's game uh, with Atlanta. Sounds good. Go Hawks. Bye. Go Hawks.